0: Welcome to Words of Aloha with Pastor Izzy Manzo of Amazing Grace Ministries International. We're headquartered in Kailua, Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii. Join us now as we get into God's Word. Good morning, guys. Would you turn to Mark's Gospel, Chapter 8? Mark, Chapter 8. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. If you weren't with us up at the house for our rainy... This only happens uh, maybe two times a year. Jan says that's the quota. You know, God gets to rain us out twice a year, and then we go home to my house and have home church. Now, you know, I, I love it because um, I hear interesting comments after we have home church. They're like, oh, it's so co- it's so." cozy and so homey and I just felt so, and then and then I'll hear and you have blue eyes and what does that have to do with anything, you know, because at my house I don't have to wear my sunglasses while I'm preaching, you know, because it's not, it, see, it, I, I just want you guys to know, turn with me toward the parking lot and look that way and I want you to see what I see okay, does anyone, uh, no wait, stand up, you're not going to get quite the effect notice the little bright shiny things off the windshields That's the blinders that get me. So I wear my sunglasses while I'm preaching. Some people are like, you wear sunglasses while you preach." I'm like, yeah, I know. But you should see, I get these shiny windshields. The sun is just reflecting off, and it blinds me when I look up. So I think, well, it's okay. We're outside. Go with the flow. But you never would know these things that, um, you know, just I love having. I I love to have that home church feel when you're all together in a house and just celebrating the things of the lord it has a it has a uniqueness now my wife doesn't like it too often that's the only thing we it's okay once twice a year when we get ready to because yeah we gotta cook and clean and make the house all nice and make you think that we don't really live there and it's like a model home and yeah now it's yeah those of you been in my house know that's not even the reality it's just um we don't have to be pretend we're real people and that's the beauty of being a Christian. Today we're going to see that even the apostles that they were real people also. Real people that that we're going to see that didn't come with fullness of understanding, fullness of knowledge what Jesus was doing or or talking about, but but our Lord was so patient with these ordinary guys that he called to be his representatives. And you know, I love looking at how he is patient with them because I realized if he could do it with them, maybe there's hope for me. No, I know there's hope for me because he has been patient with me. And I've seen that, his patience, how it has transformed my life. So this morning I want to share with you from Mark chapter 8 as we continue. Jesus is now, is Jesus popular by chapter 8 of the Gospel of Mark? With the crowds, I mean, not the religious guys. We've been going over how 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 popular is he with the religious leaders well very right they'll, they'll travel from jerusalem to come see him and then they'll pick on him the whole time and pick on his guys and and start to cause trouble because it says that they were what they're jealous they were jealous they were corrupt men and they loved having power over other men now jesus told his own disciples when they got in an argument about they were actually do you know that the apostles argued over which one of them was the what? The greatest. the greatest. You know, Jesus says, guys, I'm the master and I serve you. You know, I don't make you serve me. I, and what did he do? He took, he rose from the last supper, it says, and he, and he took off his outer garment. He put a towel around his waist and, and he grabbed a basin of water. And what did he begin to do? He washed their feet. He says, now, now, by the way, was washing a feet of a prominent job of, you know, did the master of the house ever do the foot washing ceremony? He No, he just stuck his feet out and servants came and washed his feet. And Jesus says, now, listen, I am the master. If If I come as the master, the Lord, and I wash your feet, what should you do for one another? You know, if he's the leader and, and yet he would humble himself and take this lowly job, the lowest of jobs, and do it unto them. He says, I'm setting you a, an example. But you know, today we're gonna see that these guys they have just seen Jesus do great miracles. He, in fact, they didn't only see him do miracles, like, you know, healing people and we ended last week, if you weren't with us up at the house, he took a man that was that was deaf and it says dumb. He his Tongue was slow to speech. Y- you've heard people that are deaf try to speak. You know, they, they can utter some tones, and maybe they learn by feeling the vibration, you know, of somebody who can speak, you know, holding their hand there on their on their throat and then trying to do the same sound, and it never quite sounds right because they can't hear. They don't, they don't know how to exactly match it to make it sound great. Well, Jesus last week at the end of chapter 7 he even healed a guy that that had this problem. He's deaf. And who could tell me, uh, the kids will probably remember, what did he do for the ears to, to, to heal him, He stuck his finger. The kids said he wet-willied him. They, they, he stuck his finger in his ears, and then Jesus did this to the guy. Stuck his fingers in his ears, and then he took some spit. I know some of you are going to gross out on this, but. It's the Son of God, okay? If he puts some spit on you, live with it. Because his spit does great stuff. I mean, he took some, uh, I'm sorry, it says some saliva for those of you more cultured ones. And he took saliva from his mouth, the Lord's mouth, and put it on the man, right on his mouth. And what happened? He began to speak. His ears were open, and he began to speak. Now, the end of the chapter, of chapter 7, tells us That he ordered them to do what? This is an important thing to pick up with today. He says, now listen guys, don't tell anybody, right? Look here, verse 36 of chapter 7. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them to not say anything, right? What did they do? The more widely they went out and continued to proclaim it. And then they were utterly astonished saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. He's, I mean, the people adored Jesus. And he's saying, don't say anything. And of course, I've told you, I'm repenting of my approach now. Don't tell anyone this sermon today, okay? It's a secret. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you guys, but that's it. No one else. Don't let, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. I mean, that's how the Lord approached it, right? The more he told him not to tell, I, I used to tell everybody, go tell somebody. I think I got the wrong approach. I'm going to switch. Okay, don't tell anyone today's sermon. Just, it's just for you. It's a secret. Okay, Mark chapter 8, we pick up. And then in those days, it says there was a great multitude and they had, they had nothing to eat. So he summoned his disciples and he said to them, I feel compassion for this multitude because they've remained with me now for 3 days and they have had nothing to eat 3 days I mean you got to be some type of personality public speaking magnet to keep people there staying for t- at 3 days and they have had how much to eat nothing the people are so spiritually enthralled and hu- and hungry to hear what he's saying, that they won't even leave to go take care of their physical needs. They're like, we're sticking with this guy. I mean, he's amazing. A- anyone ever felt jealous that these guys got to hear Jesus speak? Like, like I mean, besides me, I mean, a- have any of you ever thought, God, why didn't you let me be back then? I would have gone to the hillside. And Has uh, anyone of you ever kind of dreamed about, wouldn't it be cool if we had a time machine and we could go back and just just hear Jesus give the message I mean who would go with me if we had a time machine would you go would you jump in with me and go hear the lord himself speak I mean I would be like let's go I want I just want to I want to see how he delivered the things of the kingdom of God you know and you say well yeah but he'd be speaking a different language you know they say that communication is like about 80 percent how you say it not not the actual words you're using, but the, the gestures and the inflection. I mean, even if you don't know Hebrew and you're not fluent, I got a feeling watching him speak would be, well, it would be something else. I mean, they'd bring up sick people and he'd heal them. And he would show God's mercy and compassion right there on this, and his power to heal. Now Jesus is looking at the crowds and he says, you know they've been with me here. I feel compassion for these folks. They've been listening to me, teach for three days now. Can you imagine if I said, "Hey guys, we're gonna have a three-day sermon. You don't get to go home. We're just staying. Jan doesn't cook. She gets the she gets the three days off. We're just gonna have a real spiritually, what 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 they call those things, um, retreats. You know. But we're gonna do all prayer and fasting and seeking God and for three to, I probably couldn't get anybody to stay. But Jesus had crowds. I mean, just want to point out to you, how popular is he becoming? That the crowds won't leave him. They will not leave. And so he tells his disciples, I feel compassion. Now, Notice it says, and he spoke this to who? Verse one, to his disciples. He didn't speak this to the crowd. He spoke this to the guys, you know, the, 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 the Twelve Apostles. He says, Come here, guys. I want to tell you something. I have compassion for these people. They're, they're, they haven't had anything to eat. They've been with me for three days. Um, and if I send them away fasting to their homes, they will faint on the way. He recognized, you know, you haven't eaten for three days, and they're out there in the wilderness, and you send people off to go for marching back to their places is not a good recipe. I mean, it, it, isn't it neat how the Lord understands even the physics of, like, I mean, just the physiology of our bodies. We, it's like, it's not time to go march them home. So what's he do? You guys know the story, right? He says he, he he, he, he said, and, and some of them, he said, had come from a, a great distance. And so his disciples answered him and said, well, where will we be able to find enough to satisfy these men with bread, that out here in the wilderness, there's not even any, there's no bread store out here. There's a, there's nowhere to get food for them. And so Jesus asked them, "How many loaves do you have?" And they said, "We have seven loaves." Okay. Now, does anyone remember a story previous to this in Mark's gospel when he w- had compassion on the crowd and? How many people was there in that that story? That five thousand, the men. They only, by the way, they only counted the the heads of the household. Five thousand men, plus the women and the children. He said, "Have them sit down in groups of fifties, and you know, and then he gave he took that. And by the way, how many um, loaves did they have back then? Remember, they only had the, the the young lads lunch, a couple fish, and a few loaves, right? And he takes the loaves. Now let me just read you this. Jesus says this time, how many loaves do you have? They said, we have seven. So he directs the multitude to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and he broke them. And he began giving them to his disciples to serve them. And they served them to the multitude. And they also had a few small fish. Now, I want you to notice the they, same meal that they served previously, some loaves and some fish, right? And he blessed that and then he ordered them to serve them as well. Verse 8 says, And then after they ate and were satisfied same Greek word as last time. The word satisfied there is more closely translated glutted. In the old King James it means um, you know what glutted, a glutton is? When you eat until you're what? You are like, I can't move. Anyone ever done that at Thanksgiving? Not one more bite. Oh, I can't move. I am so full. And then someone comes in with another dessert. Well, maybe one more bite. And then you go, why has anyone now maybe I shouldn't ask this, but I was gonna say, has anyone ever done where they did the one more bite and thought I shouldn't have done that? Like like I already knew, but what is it with our taste buds? They almost like rule us, you know? The mouth needs one more taste, but the body's saying, done! Stop for now, you know, but no, I just one more bite. And then the body goes, oh, that's too much. This is how full they were. I don't want you to get any weird idea that, you know, the Bible tells a story like they broke the bread and everyone got a crumb. I actually heard an American pastor preaching a message that Jesus's miracle wasn't that miraculous because everybody just got a little crumb. And I wanted to puke. I was like, you got to be. Okay, how did everyone eat a crow? First of all, seven loaves is going to. Let me just show you. I, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you how many folks there was. Um, right here. They ate. They were satisfied. They picked up seven loaves. Verse 8 says uh, seven. I'm sorry. They picked up seven large baskets full of what was leftovers of broken pieces. Okay. And there was how many about verse 9 says 4,000 they're just counting heads of households. Four thousand people there now. Take seven loaves and break it into breadcrumbs, and I want to see if you got enough crumbs to give every person. Let's just say, for sake of ease for math, that there's like you know only three thousand women and children plus the four thousand men. Okay. So we got a nice even number 7,000. We got seven loaves for 7,000. I'm just hypothetical. By the way, I know I'm way underestimating, but just for my doing the math easily in the head, we go on. Let's see, that's one loaf per thousand. Could I get a thousand breadcrumbs from one? Not, oh, I, I forgot to mention. How big are the loaves? Like wagon sized? Yeah. I mean, some of the ridiculous things I hear taught, you know, these guys, a loaf of bread in the Middle East is, um, we, we call it in America, a pita bread. It's a little flat bread baked on a hot thing. You, you got you got this little pita. I'm going to break it into crumbs. I don't know if you can get a thousand crumbs from one pita bread, okay? But the miracle to me when, when these guys say, they kind of like, they want to not acknowledge that God could actually multiply the bread, and I'm thinking, well, your tale of the story is just as miraculous. Because if I listen to your tale, you're telling me that they all ate a crumb apiece and were glutted. Isn't that a miracle? Swelling crumbs. I mean, it's like, what, you put a crumb in and all of a sudden it went, boom, and the stomach is full? I mean, how do you get glutted from one crumb? Oh, you two are going to have to split the crumb because we don't have enough. You get half a crumb. That's even more a miracle. They were glutted on half a crumb. See, to me, no matter which way, people that don't have faith, they will spin the story like, it didn't really happen, you know, the way that you're thinking. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go with the way you're thinking. It's still, actually, that's a bigger miracle. A whole ginormous crowd hasn't eaten for three days, gets a half a crumb apiece, and they're glutted. And they're so glutted and so now satisfied that Jesus can send them on their long journeys, fully stuffed, right? On a crumb. Miraculous. No. He fed them. Uh, To me, I have no... In my mind, I think, how hard would it be for Jesus to multiply the bread? To multiply the fish, to actually make it—and I've said this before—when we were looking earlier in in the in the Gospel Mark, when he fed the five thousand, who would go with me to be one of the guys handing out the food? Would that be cool? Or, like, here, have some. We tear it off, hand it to him, and we look back down at our loaf. We just we just tore a hunk off, right? And then the loaf just—I mean, how how would it help your faith to be the guy? Here, guys, have some. Have some. You have some. And you keep looking down, and it it just keeps, it's the gift that keeps giving. But you're holding, anyone would volunteer for that? I mean, we're going, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, this is so cool. See the Lord do this stuff. And these guys, okay, now I just want to point this out. Did the disciples get to hand the bread out for the 5,000 feeding? And didn't it say that Jesus blessed the bread and gave it to them, and they Did it again. How how many times did they get to do this now? This is their second time of handing out bread and fish that keeps multiplying. And both times, I want you to just, if you could just notice this, they picked up how many large baskets at the end of this feeding? Seven. Let me just read on, and I want to show you what Jesus goes on to tell them. Immediately, it says, they entered the boat with his disciples And they came to the to the district of Dalmanutha, and the Pharisees came out and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven, to test him. Dude, you should have been over there where the feeding was going on if you wanted a sign, right? But they've just so you know, they crossed the sea; they're in another place. And who is demanding a sign? The 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 regular folks. No, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Verse 12 says, and sighing deeply in his spirit. Can you just see Jesus going, (sighs) these guys. He says, why does this generation seek for a sign? He says, truly I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And leaving them, he embarked and went away to the other side. It's like these guys, you know these religious guys that just want a sign now in another gospel he's it's not the same incident but another time they come again asking a sign and he goes no sign's going to be given to you guys John tells us in his gospel except the sign of Jonah as Jonah was 3 days and 3 nights in the belly of the of the fish or the some people the whale it's a big ocean critter He's in there three days and three nights. I don't want to argue the semantics. The last time I was telling this story about Jonah, I was saying, and the, can you picture after a three-day belly ride in, this, in the belly of this fish? Have any of you ever cut open a fish's belly? I know that sounds a weird thing to say, but if you're a fisherman, you know what I'm talking about. We call this stomach ectomies. When When we catch the fish, we open up the stomach to see what has it been eating, so we can figure out what bait would be the best bait to keep catching more fish. And, um, you know, when you do open... I know this is gross, sorry for your Sunday morning sermon, but when you do open up the belly, you discover some interesting stuff in there. But it never usually smells good. And I'm thinking, Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of this of this fish, this great fish. and And then the Scripture says... He was running away from Nineveh. Last night I got asked by someone, where's Nimrod? Well, that was the capital of Nineveh. He um, he was supposed to go to them and preach repentance from their sin. They were a wicked city. But he didn't want to go preach repentance because he thought, let God wipe them out. They're really crummy people. He was such a nice prophet. The Lord said, no, I'm telling you, go tell them to repent. What happened after he did preach repentance? Did they repent? Do you guys remember the story? Yeah, they repented. God is merciful. But but the prophet, Jonah, didn't want to go. So, so the Lord puts him in the fish. You guys know how that whole story worked out, right? And he gets in there, and for three days and three nights, the fish is swimming toward Nineveh. And it says, on the third day, that that fish, I hate to tell you this, but in Hebrew, it literally says, vomited, regurgitated, Jonah up onto the beach And I, right while I was preaching this The last time I was, in, I was actually going Chapter, verse by verse Through the book of Jonah And we're out here on the beach I said, can you picture in your mind A whale coming up And right as it comes up blah, And it just bur- just barfs out And a guy lands on the beach And I literally In the moment I said that Who, who was here, remember that? When, when I said right in that moment And the whale comes up and blah and, and and you know, at that very second a whale jumped right there, came fully out of the water and slammed down on the water. Full breach. And I was like, yeah, <clears throat> me and my boss we arranged that for this sermon. It was like perfect time. I couldn't I was thinking, no preacher could ever like have that that was great, Lord, perfect. And and I'm telling the story, I'm thinking, but can you picture in your mind how he smelt? After three days, and, and I don't know if you know this about stomach acid of fish, but, you know, after, you know, certain little fish get swallowed by the bigger fish and you open it up, if it's been in there, well, what happens to the carcass of the fish what was eaten? It's all bleached and decomposing and, you know, the stomach acids of the biggie fish is eating the little fish inside its stomach there. I'm thinking, I want to know what color was Jonah. Now some of you guys are just laughing at me. You're thinking, you think you're the weirdest pastor, but I think of these things. I think the guy has got to stink like fish. I'm wondering if his hair is now bleached out. You know, because I noticed that, you know, you put hair into acids for a while, and I'm just curious did his hair, like, go all white? And did it get eaten off? Does his skin get, like, you know, like a whole layer has been digested and he's looking pink like a new baby, you know, coming out. I mean, like, he pops out on the door, and it says he went right to Nineveh and preached repentance, and he didn't even do a good job if you read the story. It's like, you guys are going to have to repent or God's going to smite you. Bye. And they repented. And they're probably going, that guy stunk, and he was weird looking? I think we should repent. You know, I always... I wonder, I want to, I know you guys think I'm crazy, but when we get to heaven, you're going to, you're going to laugh because I'm going to be up to the Lord going, excuse me, could you replay that part? I want to see, you know, just, just, I was saying that and Greg saying, oh, it's not going to be like a TV screen. It's going to be like, we get to go see the actual, you know, like forget the, the, the the 3D glasses that they make you put on now. We're going to be like, I think the Lord will just go here, look, and we'll, we'll like be able to see back. Full the whole thing, and and go and look in the story. And man, I I'm I'm gonna be laughing because I am gonna go and s- pick the spot where the whale burps him out, and follow him through the story and see. You know, because we only get the highlights. Kind of, it's like it's like getting a movie trail. We get we know that he did that part happen. We know he went to Nineveh. We know he didn't really preach all that with a you know really. What you call full conviction, but it still worked. Because God's merciful. Now this time, Jesus has got these <laughs> just done another huge miracle, crossed the sea, and there's the religious leaders. Hey, show us a sign. She's like, I'm I am i am not showing you guys anything. John tells us that later they do it again. Show us a sign. The only sign you get is the one of Jonah. Like he was three days, three nights in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights where? In the belly of what? Of the earth, he says. And then, that's why in Ephesians it says that before Christ ascended to heaven, he first what? Descended and preached release to the captives. He had to go and say, anyone want to get out of here? I'm the way. Remember, he said, I'm the, I'm the door to the sheepfold. You want to get in? You got to come through me. want I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You want to get to the Father? Come through me. And when he went down, he said, guys, I'm opening the door. Anyone want to go with me? And boy, that's why we read in the end of Matthew that not only was Christ seen risen after he resurrected, but even the bodies of the dead saints that had died before him dying, waiting in faith, we're seen walking. Now, they never put this in the movies. They should, I think. I think it would be a nice touch. that You know, there's grandma that died. They just did the funeral a couple weeks back, and now she shows up at the door. Hi, guys, I'm back. Jesus came and set us free. We're, we're going to heaven now. We're, we're going to go be with the Father. I mean, would that be a nice touch? It, I mean, it's in the book. You know how sometimes the book is better than the movie? This is the case with the Bible, the book is better than the movie. They just leave out so much of these details. I, I, someday I'm gonna have to just volunteer to be one of the consultants on these movie scripts and say, look, you're leaving too much out. We got we're gonna have to rework this and put in the real stuff. The the I mean, put in the guys actually holding the bread and breaking it and handing it off, and pan back to his hand while the bread goes whoop and. Now, Hollywood doesn't think it could really happen, do they? How many believe it really did happen? They really, I I believe this is not trouble for the Lord. But but the religious leaders, why don't you give us a sign? He said, no. This is not signs on demand. Just because you're a religious leader, you command Jesus to do, you know, show me a sign. Like he's a, what, um, genie or... Some kind of you know puppet that you know I control. God, yeah, who's the? Wait a minute, who's in control here? See, this is the problem. Those religious leaders were so used to bossing folks around. They got the Son of God and they think they can tell Him, do what we say. And they they're missing a huge point. Now, Jesus had said he he had a deep sigh when he looked at him. <sighs> these guys. And then he got him his disciples and said, "Let's go." got back in the boat, went over to the other side, and it says that they had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have any more. I'm sorry, they did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Oh, gee, that sounds like a problem. 12 of you plus Jesus, 13, and only one loaf. I don't know if he could possibly feed you. He took seven... (laughs) He took seven loaves and fed four thousand, right? He listen, listen, Jesus. Just to show you they were human and they had really short memories. I, I, I gotta look at it this That's the only way I can figure it out. They began it said so <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> they travel across with just one loaf, and he Jesus gives orders to them. He says, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss amongst themselves the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, he said, why do you guys discuss the fact that you don't have bread? Do you not understand? Do, do you not? Do you have a hardened heart? What is what? He's like, don't you get it? And they're like, uh, did they get it is my question. No, because verse 18 says, Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Literally, Jesus quotes to them this verse, what is from Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 2. What is wrong with you guys? You, don't your eyeballs work? What is wrong with you? Jesus says to them, listen, do I have to remind you? I, I don't know if you noticed that at the end of verse eighteen. And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves and fed how many, five thousand, and 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 how many baskets of broken pieces you picked up? Don't you remember? And they went, um, yeah, there was like, uh, oh yeah, twelve. And then he says, and um, when I broke the the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many baskets full did you pick up? They said, um, uh, yeah, um, seven. Now, how long ago was this? Two boat rides. I don't know how many days. I only know they had a boat ride to cross over, talk to the Pharisees, and a boat ride back. Could could have been the same day. Could have been earlier that day. Oh, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they did one boat ride, spend the night, and did another boat ride, spend the night. It could have been two whole days ago. Maybe three. Do they, you know, God does a miracle. I just want to point this out to you. How fast do we forget the miracles that the Lord does? Like that. We're on to the next thing. I don't see God doing nothing. Where, Where is he? I think he was here before. Wait, when was that? I don't remember. She's like, excuse me, uh, <clears throat> the 5,000, the, the, the 4,000. Wh- how many baskets did you pick? He's like, and by the way, who had the job of picking up the baskets of fragments at the end? The guys who handed out the food, right? He gave them the job. Now, literally, if you're one of those tactile learners, you know, a person that has the hands-on learning, that's a tactile learner taught by touch. Like, they couldn't even recall the thing. And she's like, uh, how many baskets did you pick up? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I had a basket. Yeah, me, I had a basket. They're going, let's see. You had one. You had one. You had one. One, two, three, four. How many of us are there? You know, for the 5,000, had the, that was a couple days ago. So we got to, like, bring up the m- jeepers, guys. And, and, like, literally, the 4,000 just happened two boat rides ago. Two boat rides, just across and across. And they still have to think about it. Uh, Seven. Seven. He's like, don't you guys get it? Don't you? Look at verse 21. By the way, Jesus asked them, don't you guys understand? Now, what's the answer to that? Did they understand? No, not really. (coughs) And by the way, I'm really glad they didn't sometimes I don't understand. You know, God does a miracle, and I don't get it. What's the, I don't even understand the, what are you doing? I don't understand. But he had compassion on the people, and he didn't want to send them away hungry. And he was trying to show them that to the Lord, this, by the way, this is something that is really a powerful message, if you can grasp it. How much stuff does it take for God to, you know, feed, I mean, a miraculous feeding of with just a little bit? How, is God's power limited? You go, uh, I can only do it if I have, you know, a kid's lunch. I got to have something to start with. Like literally, they're all freaking out. We don't have any bread. Does Jesus go, oh. Now, it says earlier they had how many loaves in the boat? One. And maybe while he was talking, they tore it and started eating it. Because all of a sudden they're like freaking out. We don't have any bread. What are we going to do? And she's like, do, do you not get who's in the boat with you? And this is, by the way, I think one of the hardest things for us to grasp sometimes we, we do forget. We forget that the Lord's with us. And in the circumstance, we're like, oh, no, I'm hungry. I don't know if we're going to live. How am I going to make it? And Jesus says, that's not the point. The point is, you've got to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, what was, what was he talking about, leaven? What, what did that represent in the Old Testament, leaven? Sin. You got to watch out for this. What was the sin of those religious leaders? They were hypocrites, that's right. And they were they were prideful. They lorded over people. They weren't humble. They, in fact, and boy, they were judgmental. I tell you. why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? We went over that. Why why do they do this this way? And why if you're such a religious man, do you wh- remember what they said to Jesus? If you being so religious, why do you hang out with these sinners publicans and sinners and and that lady over there she's a harlot if you really are religious you would know we don't we well, <clears throat> i can just see them sticking their nose in there we're so holy even jesus reported one time about how there was a religious leader and a and a, and a sinner the two of them went to the temple to pray do you remember this story and, 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 the, and the, it says the sinner fell down and he took the dirt, the dust on the ground, threw it over his head. God, I am not worthy. I'm lower than, by the way, in the Middle East, if you do that, you're, you're saying I'm lower than the dirt. I am I'm nothing. But God, have mercy on me. Now, while he was laying face down before God saying, have mercy, what was the religious dude doing over here on the corner? Standing up pridefully, God, I thank thee that I, pat myself on the back, that I am not like that sinner over there, and I tithe on all that I get, and and I, you know, I'm so good, pat myself on the back. And Jesus said, which one of these men went away in the sight of God, justified in God's sight? Which Which one did God accept? Which prayer did God say, I'll take that? You guys know the story, right? Which one was it? The sinner. That that Pharisee was like, "That is not." He says, "Watch out for that kind of leaven." That's sinful. People that act like they're so holier than thou. No wonder people say, "Gosh, I don't like going to church. There's a bunch of hypocrites, and they're all so high and mighty and so full of themselves." And they, and you know, honestly, I've been to some churches. I want to vomit. And I'm a pastor. I'm like, oh, get me out of here. This is, you know, I think this is Jesus told his disciples, watch out. Don't be like those guys. Don't let their leaven creep into you because it says a little leaven leavens what? The whole lump. Just a little bit of pride can really askew our, our I mean, come on. The religious leaders have the Son of God visiting them. They're living in that. What I'm talking about, how I'm jealous that you know they got to see Jesus. They had the, the the religious leaders were looking right at the Son of God, and instead of going, "Oh, this is great that we're here this day. What an awesome miracle to see him heal that 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 blind guy and 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 that and that guy that was deaf and dumb and and oh that was one." They're not going, go, God. They're going, you need to stop doing that. Too many people coming out to your meetings. You know, we're losing members at our our group because of you. It it just makes me sad. That hypocrisy, by the way, though, is that still around today in churches? Are there certain groups where you walk in and you feel like, man, They're looking at you like, we're better than you. What's wrong with you? And they're judging. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. That's their leaven. We're not supposed to do that. There's only one person. We took communion a few weeks ago when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, there is only one person that you need to judge before taking communion. Who is that? Your spouse? No, No, not your spouse. Some of you, you need a lesson in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, start at verse 23 and read on. And you, as you read through that chapter, you will see there is only one person. Who is the person you judge? Yourself. You look, it says, examine yourself. See if there be any sin in you. Before you take communion, don't take it lightly. Take it with reverence. We're we're celebrating the gift of God, giving him, giving him to us, his son, giving through his son a way to get forgiveness of our sins. And he, oh, in the giving of forgiveness of our sins, he comes and he says, you know, this is my body is broken for who? For you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is a cup of a new covenant in my blood. He took the cup and he passed it to his disciples. said He said, this is for the remission of your sin. Now, remission means what? Complete removal. Doesn't mean a covering. Let me cover up your sin. No, when we sing that song. As, as far as east is from west, he takes my sin. When I say, Lord, forgive me that, and he removes it from me. It's gone. He He removes. Isn't that a nice thing when we learn the truth of what Jesus did that he he comes to say, look, I, came, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to what? To save it. And to save us, he had to He had to take the full brunt of the consequence of every sin, what we committed, and he had to pay the payment for it so that we wouldn't have, if we paid for it ourselves, how much would it cost us to pay one sin? I'm going to pay just one. Lord, you take care of most of them, but I'll just do one for you. You know, I don't want you to bear the whole load. What was the penalty for one sin? Wages of sin is what? Death. And in the Old Testament, it said that the death would be the death of a perfect lamb. What would have to be sacrificed for that sin? Now, I'm not perfect, so I couldn't really technically pay for my own sin. But when Jesus did it, here's the kicker. The lamb, and by the way, he was the perfect lamb. John the Baptist said that, behold, the lamb of God that, what? Takes away the sins of the world. He said, that's the guy. The perfect lamb. But the perfect lamb, according to the law, would have to shed its blood completely. That blood had to be, you know, slit the neck, bleed it into the bowl and offer it before God as a sacrifice. Because it teaches us in the Old Testament law that the life was in the blood. And the only thing that can, the only thing can cancel out death is what? Life. Life has to give, be given to cover the death. Jesus' life, the very lifeblood that he had, had to be given so my sin would be not just covered, but washed away. Though your sin be as scarlet, we read in Isaiah, he makes it white as what? The snow. We have visual aid. These guys just flew in from Seattle. They said they got to see down on our mountain. They're like, you guys got snow. Like, not just in one spot. We have snow, like, they said, Mauna Kea, Mauna Loa. And where else did you you see them? uh, Haleakala has snow. I'm like, this is, like, cool. The Lord, the Lord is just, like, giving us visual aids. Though our sin be as scarlet, it says, he makes us white as snow. He removes our sin. I'm so grateful for this. Somebody's like, don't talk about the blood. It's gory. You know, American Christians are weird. Like, like they have, like, things, you know, we, we, we don't talk about, and don't talk about sin because that makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, dude, I got to tell you the truth. We, the Bible says we all have sinned, right? all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that's perfect. If you're perfect, you don't even need to be here. You're excused, okay? The, but for the rest of us that are sinners, this is the sinner's club, by the way, we, we, we really are grateful that our leader took care of the sinful problem that we had. He, he came and paid for it. And when it comes to taking communion, we get to do it as often, it says, as we will. Whenever you wish to take communion, you can do it, it says, as long as you do it in remembrance of who? Of Jesus, what he did. And when you take communion, you're celebrating. Man, the Lord let his body be broken for me. He let his blood be shed for me. So my sin could be washed away. I don't know anything greater to remind people. you know, how many of you re- just, just if you had a rough week, Anyone been having a rough week? Listen, just spiritually, I just want uh, just to turn your your attention heavenward for a moment and remind you, no matter how rough your week goes down here, you have a God who says, "I washed all your sins away." Let's get you back on the right page here. you know How good does it feel to know he has forgiven you? Of everything. It's like, whew, I needed that, Lord. You know, you could t- take communion and remember that. And I I'm so grateful that the Lord picked things that were simple for us to remember. Bread. He took the bread at the at the at the meal and broke it. And said, This is my body broken for you. Now we did the communion. Dottie said she wished her friends would have been there. They weren't there. She was like, Oh man explain the whole thing. You know, Jesus was the bread of life that came down from heaven. And I always like to point out in Hebrew, he's born where? What was the town called where he was born? Bethlehem. And for those of you that don't know Hebrew, Beth in Hebrew means house. Lay means of. And hem is a very common word in Hebrew. You know what hem means? Bread. <laughs> so the bread of life that came down from heaven was born. This is really cryptic for you, scholars. In Hebrew, at the house of what? The house of bread. That's literally what it says in the scripture. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. And so, what's he do as he's departing? The last meal he takes with his disciples takes some bread, breaks it, and says, "This is my body broken for you. Take, eat of it." Like this is it. it, it <laughs> If you don't think bread was integral to the whole Jesus revealing his powers to them and, and, and explaining what he was doing yet he says with this same analogy this bread you gotta watch out This don't don't let your bread be tainted like with the leaven that the Pharisees have this bread, this pure bread of life what came to give us life he didn't come pretentiously in fact the common folk loved Jesus. He was like, I mean, literally, he was the hero. They, I told you, when he finished feeding the 5,000, what did they want to do with him? What does it say? They want to make him king. They're like, this dude would be a great king, man. He teaches about God. He heals everybody who's sick. He raises the dead. He, he, he makes the lame to walk, the blind to see. Jesus for king. Oh, and by the way, he feeds us. And we don't just eat a little. We eat until we are full. You know, Jesus for king, rally. You know, let's start a chant. Jesus for king. Jesus. And they started doing that. Remember he had to calm the crowds and say, okay, you, you guys get in the boat and leave. Um, guys, we, time to go. I'm going to go pray. He had to dismiss the crowd. They were like intending to make him king by force, it tells us you you're our man. But even in his, this beautiful, I mean, I, I, I can't help but be a little jealous. These guys got to pass out the bread twice. Twice for this, to see, I mean, to me, this would be so cool. I used to dream when I was a kid, I would invent a machine that could multiply stuff like 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 you know cuz i r- heard the story about jesus i thought i'm going to make a little ray gun that i can aim it at a loaf of bread and boop, and it would double you know and then boop, boop, and i just i shoot the one and make two and shoot the two and make four and shoot the four and make eight and those of you familiar with you know doubling of of uh, integers it's um you know 16 32 64 128 256 by the way, you might not know all these numbers. From hard drives, used to slowly jump in megabytes to now it's gigabytes by the same same factors. But <coughs> this is something I used to think. I just need to get. See, I didn't. I grew up Italian. We didn't buy American treats for our lunch. Our treat was my nona made homemade bread. She cut it in half. These little baby loaves. We had these little baby tins. And so uh, my lunch came on a homemade loaf of bread about this big. Cut in half. You should put a little bit of fresh cheese or some provolone and some, some salami or some pepperoni, gold and press them together and let them get warm so that the meats kind of give off the oils into the bread. And after, the, after they've been sitting a little while, the bread gets the, all the flavors of the meats into the bread. And... Now I am so hungry. I can't remember what I was going to tell you. No, darn us food. She used to she used to send that with me in my lunch, and the kids would look at me, like, where do you get your lunches? Like, because t- when you open them, the smells. I mean, it's fresh baked bread. The smells come out of your lunch pail, and it's a, uh, it's like intoxicating. It's so good, you know. Like, oh, and then my friends would say, "Will you trade me?" You know. Can I have some of that? And I could like, get away with trading, like, this much, a little slice off the end for anything I wanted in their lunch. And I'm really, like, we don't have hostess Twinkies in our house. And then it, but it was, like, a big rage at the time when I was growing up that, that, that some kids would come with hostess Twinkies. i trade them this much of my sandwich for a hostess Twinkie. And then I, I was like, "Oh, these are like heaven. this is the, this is old school Twinkies." Okay, guys. Some of you're going, "That's gross. You didn't have Twinkies back when they had banana cream for the filling. That's what they came with originally." It was yeah, it was it was actually made banana cream was the original filling in in the in the original Twinkies. And I I got to eat the I was like, "This is really good." You know, it's light and flaky and sweet and tasty and I need to make a ray gun that I could multiply these suckers, you know, because maybe I could bum half a sandwich for for two Twinkies and start with two and just zap it, and then I make four and six and I mean four and eight and you know, sixty. I just like zap the whole pile. I have a m- mountain of Twinkies. Now I know you're thinking I'm crazy, right? But some of you just thought of the same thing. You just want to do it with money or something. You're not fooling me. I know you thought this. how? how what would you do if you had a gun that would? You could stick, you just point it at something and you get to. I mean, Kainoa was telling me yesterday, he wished he could clone himself. So he'd aim it at himself and he'd shoot himself so he'd have one to go do the chores over here and one to go do the chores and then and then zap himself a few more times when he has to do the big yard work chores so that, that you get four guys working on the same thing and, and nobody gets really worn out. I laugh about it, but I think we've all thought about something like that. You know, if we could just somehow multiply and do it. But see, we're reading this story, and it's not a real, it's, it, this, this really happened. He really did multiply this stuff. And this, for our faith, they're in the boat. They just saw it happen. And Jesus says, don't, don't get sidetracked by the leaven of Who? Those religious dudes. Those first, don't don't let those guys sidetrack you. Don't let that creep into your heart. Don't be like those guys. You know, they're not, that's not what it's about. Instead, they were supposed to stay remembering what God just did. How many baskets did you guys pick up? remember what God can do. If we would only remember what God can do. Seriously, some people come to me and honestly, and this is going to sound harsh, but some of the folks that come to me with the biggest of problems are ones that have been Christians for the longest of time. I mean, some of them have been Christians longer, way longer than I have. And they're all like, Telling me their woes Like pastor you just don't understand It's so terrible My circumstance it's like it's overwhelming And I listen and I'm thinking <clears throat> Excuse me but didn't you read the story About Jesus Doing the miracles And Jesus doing And and they're like Yeah uh, My question just quick question We'll go back to your troubles and say do you think he really did those miracles? Show of hands. Who says he really did it? Just w- will help the person struggling. Who, Jesus really did these things? He really healed sick people. He really fed the multitudes. He he really raised the dead. Lazarus, the whole thing. Hmm. Now wait, wait a minute. What was your problem again? I just want to see. I'm going to see if that falls under any of these categories. Can Jesus do? What was the problem? Oh, the bills, that's right Yes, Jesus can do all sorts of miracles But he can't pay the rent that's, I, I, Why didn't I read that in there somewhere? He doesn't do rent Does Jesus even help with the rent? How about taxes? Oh, taxes, that's a bigger one, right? We were talking with the kids about this, remember? Jesus tells Peter, tax time Gotta pay taxes, right? Jesus says, well, render to Caesar's what's Caesar's and render to God what is God's. Hey, Peter, go down and go fishing. The first, and and he tells him something very specific. The first fish you pull up, just throw your line in the sea, and the first fish you pull up, it's going to have a gold coin in its mouth, a stator. As a Roman coin, it was valued enough to pay the taxes for two men for a year. That's pretty valuable. <clears throat> I can't wait to watch that on the video replay. Well, or whatever kind of, the 3D, you know, real. I'm, I'm, and I want it with subtitles. The subtitles, what is going through, G, through Peter's brain, you know, while I'm watching him walk, Jesus, Jesus go Peter, get a fish. And, and, and is Peter going to the lake going, Lord, you know, before I came to follow you, I've been a fisherman my whole life, and you're really good at those religious stories about God. and But I'm a fisherman, and I don't know how to tell you this, but of all the fish I caught, how many, how many gold coins do you think he'd fished out of during his stomach ectomies? Any gold coin stories? He's going, uh, Lord, you know, you're kind of going a little bit. Maybe you've been eating something wrong, or your diet's off, or... You're tripping on some. I, what? No, I. I, I don't. I, I'm just throwing this in. I don't know that he said. It. I'm just. That's not in the Bible. That was. Is he just, supposing? What could have been running through his mind? Now, seriously, you're a fisherman your entire life. You fish that lake. You know it. You know all the codes. You know every little inlet outlet. You go down there. You throw your line in, and you pull out a fish. I want to hear what. Went to his mind the moment he opened the mouth of the fish and looked in and saw the gold coin. Holy mackerel. <laughs> she says had to be a mackerel. Holy mackerel. Look at that. I mean, seriously, I want that's probably what got the saying, right? It says <laughs> Peter started the whole thing. He literally I mean, come on. Has anyone ever thought about this? If you were, would anyone volunteer to go be the fisherman that day? Jesus said, "Go get the tax money. Just, just throw the line in. And it's not go, go catch fish, sell the fish, pay the taxes. That that wouldn't work. You got to pay a, a full year's allotment is now due. You're to catch way too many fish for that. But the Lord doesn't care. To the Lord." provision of what you need is he doesn't go oh gosh I can't do that the guy who was mentored me into the Lord when a young Christian this dear brother named Bill Elander he was the assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel in the Verde Valley in northern Arizona by Cottonwood and he is telling us this story about Peter and the fish and the, the coin the coin is the big deal I mean, catching the fish is cool, too, but he even, he even messed with their heads on that. Like, after they fished all night, they didn't catch anything. Hey, guys, haven't caught anything, have you? Throw your net on the what? The other side of the boat. You'll get a big catch. They're probably going, this rabbi, he's great with Bible stories, but what does he know about fishing? You know, I, I want to know what they were thinking when they were putting the net over to the other side. That did they catch fish that day? A great catch. So great, it says they filled the boats, almost sank the boats the first time. And then he said, leave that. From now on, you're going to be not fishers of fish, but fishers of what? Of men. Jesus uses these natural things to teach us stuff. And the, and, and the pastor, assistant pastor, Billy Lander, he's telling us the story about Jesus and the, and the gold coin. And he says, do you guys really believe that Peter really found a gold coin and went and paid the taxes, like it says? And we're like, yeah, yeah. He said, well, I was kind of complaining to the Lord because my rent was due. And the church, by the way, was very small in its infancy, just like a church plant starting out. And the pastor in the uh, had his wife, and Bill was the single guy serving the Lord as the assistant pastor. And we had all of five kids in the youth group. Three of them were from my family. Me, my brother, my brother Joseph, and my sister Ursula. That was three of them. And then we had Tim McClary and Kristen Ramsey. Five of us that came regularly. He's like, wow, God, you really raised me up. I, have, I got three families' kids at my youth group, a total of five. I'm such a success. But he really was a success. Because he taught me, he said, do you think God could still do that today? And we were like, well, w- he's, did he quit his job? I mean, quick, quick, um you know, like quick interrogation. Did he, did he stop doing the God thing, or is he still doing, sitting on his throne? And they're like, no, no, he's still God. He hasn't retired. We're like, okay, then he can do it. And Bill says, one day I'm with him, and he, he says, um you know is i've been pr- praying for my rent in the church the small church there's not a lot of money and and um i really need god to come through with the rent and and he um tells me i i want to tell you the story of the fish again It's okay sure the, the which one the 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 net one or the no the one with the coin in its mouth i said okay tell me bill and he said well i was praying and you know he had this little trailer, those kind that you hook up to the back of the, the small pull along thing. I'm in my trailer praying and he says and um God I really need the rent and the Lord just showed me I want you to go just like he told Peter, I want you to go to the lake and thing. He didn't tell me to go to the lake. He told me I want you to go to the back of the Babbitt's parking lot. It's a it's kinda like our KTA. Okay, it's a grocery store. And there's a dumpster. And I want you to go in the back of the dumpster, in this corner, and in the far down part, there's a Contadina tomato paste can with the lid cut open. Not all the way, but like partly opened. You know, like someone's opened it, but then closed it back up. I want you to go there and pull out that Contadina tomato paste can, and you're going to get your rent. It's inside the can. Now, Bill thought I'm having flashbacks from my drug days or what do they call it? Is that what they call it? A flashback or so some, anyway, like, like he did a lot of drugs before as a Christian. He's like, I, I think maybe I'm, you know, hallucinating. Like maybe it's just a retro hallucination, but he kept praying, God, I need my rent. I need my rent. And the Lord's going, I told you where it is. And so we're driving. Okay. In his little Jeep. And I'm, you know what he's he, I get one-on-one time with the pastor you know I'm getting to hear the spiritual stories and he's telling me is God really real today and I'm like yeah I think yeah I'm pretty sure I mean, I'm new at this but it seems like he should be and so I don't know why we're driving to Babbitt's parking lot okay but he's telling me now Bill was Bill a big guy okay like see Bob over here he's Bob small when when we talk about Bill okay Bill was a big guy not tall. But big this way. And Bill, I, he's telling me the story as we're going, okay? And he's saying, and the Lord told me that to go to the dumpster, and now we're pulling into Babbitts, and we're going behind the building, into a dumpster, that dumpster, and he points at it. Why are you taking me to the dumpster? We're going dumpster diving. Okay. And because I'm small and agile, I'm going in. What is the... So he's telling me the story, and he says, and God told me that in the Contadina Tomatek paste he says, that there's the rent. And so he takes me to the dumpster, and he lifts the lid, and he says, see this dumpster? And I'm thinking I'm going in for sure, okay? And he says, um, he says I came. You know, I'm like, so what happened? Well, he had already gone there. He was just taking me back to show me something. He had gone there. Now I had to in my mind, I'm replaying this going, Wait, you did did you already go? And he's like, Yep. And he he wanted to show me literally the corner. He said, God showed me in my mind this picture. It's right here. But he brought me, lifted the lid, and said, See back there at that corner right there. He said, That's, you know, in this like just a vision, just like a picture in my mind. I saw it right where it was. So I came here earlier. And then he, we're in the we're in the jeep, you know. Now we go back to the jeep, and he reaches down between the seat, and he holds up this contadina p- tomato paste can. And he, f- and he, the lid is, you know, like that. And he goes like that, and he shows me, and it's a roll of money, inside the can, cash, rolled up in, stuffed in there. And he goes, I just wanted someone else to see this, you know, that like. You know, this is where it was. He showed me while it was in prayer in my trailer. Then I came, and you're my witness. I bring you back. I just want to show you right there in that spot, in that corner where he showed me What's the answer. He said, I want you to know God is still alive, and he still knows how to provide. And I was like, cool. That's good, Bill. I'm going to be praying for my t- tomato paste scan now, <laughs> you know, because, like, can I go look? May there's one for me, you know. But literally his example of faith showed me that here's a man who really doesn't just tell the Bible story to tell me it's a story that you read, read in a book. But that we have a living. This story is a testimony of a living God who intervened in these people's lives, who provided for these people. And who has not quit his job and continues to provide and so i was like that my faith was boosted that day i realized he did it for my for my youth leader he made god he made rent appear when he didn't have it when the church didn't have the church was small it didn't have the money so only a couple of families It wasn't enough to, money to pay the pastor and i really see now i didn't know god was training me to get me ready for ministry that someday I would have to walk by faith and have these days when we didn't have the money in the tie box, we didn't have, you know, just it wasn't there, and we need groceries. And I've shared this before, but n- I guess n- that was all just training, getting me ready, because the Lord literally has repeatedly, just to comfort your hearts, I want to tell you, if you don't think God is real, you should hang out with me for a while. Because, like, literally, when when... When we, when we don't have the provision to buy the groceries and, and, and the, the funds are tight, people are like, oh, I don't. that makes me uncomfortable. I, it makes me excited in my spirit. I'm not happy about it in my mind. My mind's a little cranky. Lord, it's getting a little tight, the purse strings, and he's going, don't worry. And literally, I've shared this before. The, my favorite one is the mint and chip ice cream. I say that because not because'm c- I'm, I'm not supposed to eat dairy so I'm dairy whatever intolerant. so so but my daughter, Raquel, is like, dad, can we get mint and chip ice cream? And when you're on a tight budget and ice cream is like nine dollars for it's not even a half a gallon anymore. They shrunk the container. you know they flare it at the top. It's the same size as the half gallon but at the bottom did you notice it tapers in? That means they, sh- they 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 shaved off. For those of you that aren't good with dimensional space, you know quantities, they they're giving you less and charging you more. And I'm like, no way, we are not buying an ice cream. Besides that, we need like bread and toilet paper and the real stuff to get by in life, right? So 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 we 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 got the we got the list on the on the on the refrigerator. My wife has a little the little sticky pad, you know, that magnetic thing sticks to the fridge. And we write down the things, and we're like, we need this and this and this, and ice cream isn't even on, and she's writing it on the list. And I'm going, no, not on the list. It's not even allowed because, and then some visitor calls up and says, I, I, you know, I'm so sorry. We were going to come to your church, but then this, the the hotel offered the free whale watching and we went out and we didn't even make it and we've been here for a couple weeks and we we stayed at this condo and and we went to sh- Costco shopping when we first got here and um we have some some stuff we just we don't want to leave it cuz then they're just going to either throw it out or take it or whatever you know so can we drop it off at your house you can give it to whoever could use it or if you need it you could use it and i'm thinking sure cuz see I was trained by a guy who got a tomato paste can in a <laughs> dumpster having groceries delivered to your door is better you know but it's still the same God at work I just want you to know this it's just as miraculous to me that they pull up and they start unloading groceries and they say here and and, and literally I can take the list from the fridge toilet paper check you know bread check uh Izzy's one salami. Check. You know, there's like little things, like God winking at me. See, I can even get the salami. And I'm like, yeah. And then I get to the bottom of this bag of stuff, and there's a few frozen items. And guess what it is? Mint and chip ice cream. And Raquel's like, there's a God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. My kids have learned that God is really real and that he really does provide, and he doesn't have to have money to do it. It, it, it doesn't hinder him if he doesn't have a lot, because he's a guy who can multiply. He can do these things. And I want to encourage you in your faith today that God has not quit his job. Today, he is just as alive, and he is just the same God was told what Moses wrote: Jehovah Jireh. That means the Lord, not has provided. In Hebrew, it's the Lord shall provide. But it's it's what's called present present perfect. Is it in English? Continuous present continuous tense. God provides everything we need in this moment. And we get to the next moment, and guess what? He provides everything for that moment. And we get to the next moment. He is always there providing what we need. Now, that verse was spoken of Jesus because it said, in the mount of the Lord, God shall provide a what? What animal? A lamb. He had just provided a ram for Abraham to offer up caught in the thicket by its horns. It was a test. Offer up your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And he went up there to offer him up, and the Lord said, "I see your heart." Right when he was about to kill, remember, about to kill his son, stop. Use the ram instead. But then, after the ram was offered, it says, "And the Lord declared Jehovah Jireh. So it shall be in the mount of the Lord God shall provide a lamb." A lamb. It literally says, God shall provide himself a lamb. And what did Jesus do? He came to be God, providing that true lamb, the lamb of God, to take away our sins. Now, if he would do all that provision to to get us spiritually clean, do you think it's hard for him to do the rent or the groceries? or I don't know what your need is this week. But whatever it is, is that, does he go, oh, gee, I didn't recognize, oh, they ask. I, that's beyond what I could do. Does that trip him out, your, your problem? Because I'm here to submit to you, it doesn't. To the Lord, he just goes, I got that. Don't fall for the leaven of the Pharisees. They didn't want to trust God. They wanted to trust in who? Themselves. Don't fall for it. That, that leaven is bad for our spiritual walk. We have a God we can trust in all things. And I just want to encourage you with that word today. That's all I got for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time, what we have in your word. I thank you that you are the true provider. Jehovah Jireh, you provided your son to pay for our sins, Lord, but not just for our sins. You said He, he said, I came to give you life. And to give it to you, what? More abundantly. Lord, let us experience that life as we go from here. Fill us, Lord, with the things of your spirit. Fill us with a faith that is encouraged and strengthened, that you can provide every little thing. You know how to do it, Lord. And to that, I am so grateful. When I look back at all the testimonies I can share of what you have done to provide from groceries to little plumbing pieces I've needed, Lord, flew them in by birds. You've done crazy things for me, Lord, You're, you are you are indeed a great God. So I give you all the praise and all the honor and I pray for each person's faith here this week that they would be able to experience those things that they need to continue their journey with you. Just help us all, Lord, to walk in those appointments that you have for us. Keep us, guard us now by your most Holy Spirit, take us from this place empowered for what lies ahead. We ask it now in your Son's precious name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agree with me said? Amen. Let's stand together and sing a closing song and send you on your way to have a great week. joining us. If you'd like more information about us, go to our website AmazingGraceKona.com and click the link to follow us on Facebook. That's AmazingGraceKona.com Mahalo and God bless.